0: Welcome to A Lawyer's Guide to the Galaxy, a podcast about geek culture by lawyers, with your hosts, Ben Siders and Kirk Damon.
1: Today's episode is brought to you by Octane Corporation, the world's leading producer of dairy food, TV shows, news, coffee, surveillance cameras, all history books, voting machines. Wait a minute.
0: Welcome back to A Lawyer's Guide to the Galaxy, the podcast that asks interesting questions that don't have any answers. With your host, Ben Siders, that's me, and the other guy is, as always, Kirk Damon. That's Kirk, as in the captain of the enterprise. We are intellectual property lawyers and certified geeks practicing law in St. Louis, Missouri. You can find me, Ben, on Twitter, at Benjamin Siders, and you can find Kirk, at KirkDMN. You can follow this podcast on Twitter, at LGGPod, and all this information is on our website, www.LGGPodcast.com. A study in how to use public domain works to avoid copyright infringement.
1: <laughs> and how to do web pages from like yeah. the late 90s maybe? Yeah, web design in
0: 30 seconds, literally. So today uh, we are recording this uh, the week of Thanksgiving, um, and we're going to try to record two episodes today because... Well, one, we haven't released an episode in a while, and we know that you are loyal listeners. Both of you are, are clamoring, <laughs> <laughs> jumping at the bit for more content, um, and so we're going to try and get this episode out uh, the week after Thanksgiving, and then record a second bonus episode to release at a conspicuous time in December, um, and that should get you through to <laughs> next year. Yep. <laughs> So stay tuned for the end of the episode. We'll uh, we'll tease what's going to happen next. Today's episode, we're going to talk about antitrust law and cinema. This topic comes to us from Wes Ehrlichman on Facebook, so thank you Wes for the idea. Uh, I had not heard about this, so it's it's uh, timely and uh, and we're, we're our, our audience is teaching us things. <laughs> and I so. should
1: mention that Ben surprised me with this topic about five minutes ago, so I'm yeah. still learning this as well. Yeah, Kirk came
0: over this morning. He's like, <laughs> aren't we recording this morning? I'm like, yes. And oh, do I have a topic for you? Antitrust. And he kind of gave me a funny Look so, um, so I sh- we should also say neither one of us are antitrust lawyers. I you know i understand the basics of what yep. it is, why we have it, but I don't know the legal standards or the cases the way that you and I kind of have back of the hand knowledge of a lot of major IP stuff. So to,
1: pa- to paraphrase it, I'm not an antitrust lawyer, but I took it in law school. See, I didn't even do that. <laughs> I didn't take antitrust. It wasn't in on law the bar school.
0: exam, so I didn't take <laughs> it. Uh, so we're, we're going to talk about this, but just bear in mind that of, of all of the wrongness that's happened on this episode in terms of just making mistakes, <laughs> this will be the mis- most most. For an episode we've done, <laughs> yeah. So all you
1: well actually people, this is a fun one.
0: Yeah, if any of you are happen to be antitrust lawyers, let us know. I'd love to get somebody who does antitrust on the show uh, to to talk. Maybe we can grab somebody in the firm to yeah. strong arm them to come over or bribe them with uh, with lunch.
1: Or obviously, if we have any listeners, I mean, that are out there that are antitrust lawyers or quite frankly any other lawyers that would be interested in being on the show and have a sort of interesting topic that you'd like to talk about, you know, we'd love to do. Uh, yeah, let us guess. know.
0: Hit us up. So what, we're going to talk about antitrust in the context of cinema, uh, and this is because there was a recent announcement or decision, I guess, by the U.S. Department of Justice. The Trump administration is going to revisit something called the Paramount Consent Decree. Kirk, had you ever heard of this before this morning? uh uh-uh. Me either. <laughs> I, I'm very surprised because usually this is the kind of thing I'm, I'm all about. Yeah. You know, I know these things. So uh, I didn't hear about this until uh, Wes brought it to my attention. But once I read it, I was like, oh, well, that explains that. Uh, so what it is is, uh, well, let's, let's talk for a second about how the movie business works. And we should also say we don't do a lot of work in this realm either. So we're just sort of speculating on how yeah, we think this I think we're this much more
1: movie belongs. fans than movie lawyers. Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, we've yeah. definitely been involved. I mean, I've been involved a little bit with some movie companies, you know, with some production yeah, companies. Yeah, we,
0: we muddle our way around the, the yeah. applicable legal doctrines. But as far as like the actual corporate structure, I don't run a movie studio. You don't run a movie studio yeah. or a production company or a cinema line. Although so. I
1: am on IMDb because I do a lot of Kickstarter promotions for yeah. movies. So. Yeah,
0: Kirk has producer credits. <laughs> I have producer credits of like five movies. So we're, you know, the, the legal side of this we're, we're fine with it's, it's the, how, do, how are the businesses structured and operated is, is more nuts and bolts stuff. We don't know that well, but... Um. You know, the, the basic structure, as I understand it, is, you know, the movies are, are made by a production company. Uh, this is the company that actually handles the business side, uh, or what I'd call the quote-unquote manufacturing of a movie. The yeah. process of taking the raw materials, actors, crew, props, film, uh, cameras, and putting it all together into a finished product that can be sent out for distribution to the end consumer.
1: Yeah. I guess I kind of look at it, and I think it's, as we think about it, the production company really does handle making the movie, yeah. so to speak.
0: Hence production. You know, They're producing. Yeah the film. They're making really producing
1: something. it. They're making it. And you know, and I think the biggest thing you always sort of get in is it's almost always financing it, too. I mean, that's yeah, what you really get yeah. the production companies doing. It's sort of, in some respects, the way I kind of look at it, it's sort of like, you know, like a contractor in conjunction with real estate. Yeah. You know, they're the person who's buying the building and then coordinating all the other pieces to get the building renovated and sold.
0: Yeah, they get a team together. They figure out who's going to act, who's going to direct, who's going to have all these different roles, who's going to do the CGI, who's yeah. going to edit. I, I, I think that all falls within the realm of the production company. But again, if we're wrong, someone let us know. Uh, so that's the production company. And then you've got the film studio, which yep. is the actual physical lot somewhere in Los Angeles, usually, or or India. <laughs> well, actually,
1: a- no. And all of them are also in, like, you know, um, places like Louisiana and sort of, you know, all over the place like that. There's a bunch of, you know, I think production companies um, – in studios, which are sort of no longer in Los Angeles. I mean, obviously, we associate yeah. Hollywood in conjunction with being the center. The and major the mecca, studios,
0: yeah. Um, Although I just read studios, the largest but- studio in the world is in India. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, India churns out a lot of movies. They do, yeah. Um, some of which are actually really entertaining.
0: Uh, yeah, if, if you're into the Bollywood uh, movies, they, they are ridiculous. It's almost <laughs> like watching like a 1980s John Woo movies. The, the level <laughs> of ridiculous, absurd action, and just unapologetic silliness. And
1: the fact that they have to end with a musical number.
0: Yes, that was delightful. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that's a production company, and then and the, the film studio, like I said, is just a lot. It's got it's basically a giant rental property, right? Yeah. The production company shows up and says, "We need a place. We need a stage to put people on and put props on." And yeah. uh, and the the studio's got all that stuff. And and that's kind of how they work.
1: Yeah. Out. Now, obviously, I think there's a lot of association between production companies and studios. You know, yeah. They obviously, work well together. A number of them are probably share ownership, at least in some respects. Yeah. I think
0: there's a lot of vertical integration in these markets. It may, they may even. I mean, well. I don't know for sure. I think part of the antitrust issue we're going to talk about is that these were split up. Yeah. But it seems like the antitrust issue was more about splitting up studios and, and cinemas, multiplexes, yeah. more so than studios and production companies. So I think there's probably still a lot of um, conglomeration here yeah. where you have production companies and studios who are either the same yeah. company or in the same corporate family.
1: My guess is as well, and I mean, again, I may very well be wrong in this, but my guess is is that production companies are probably a relatively new creation versus studios. I have the feeling we probably start off if we get back to the early days of cinema we basically only had the studio the production company maybe something sort of after that maybe part of this um, but may also just be sort of as the the world becoming more commercialized you end up with these breaking parts of things it's the same kind of thing as it's you know people talk about it it's you will bump into with like a lot of musical artists Yeah, but a musical artist is actually three corporations you know there's the one that handles the live shows there's the ones that handle the merchandising and there's the ones that handle the recording mm-hmm. and even though it's all the same artist it's really three companies yeah. sort of sitting in the background of that each of which does something different I have the feeling we're gonna that that's some of what we also saw in Hollywood. Now, again, I'm, I'm literally making this up off the top of my head, but it's one of those things where I have the feeling that that's where it is, uh, and part of the reason for this. Now, whether that was because of this or something that had already come into play, I don't know, or how early it came into play, but my guess yeah. is originally you probably saw more the studio having more control. Again, yeah. the early days of cinema and the time we're going to talk about when this Paramount Descent degree goes into place.
0: And, and the background for it is that it wasn't just production companies and studios. These companies also often own the movie theaters themselves. Yep. So you would go to the RKO Radio Movie Theater, and yeah. then they also had a movie studio to make movies to show in the RKO Radio Movie Theater, which yeah. is a mouthful to say. Uh, there's another problem. Uh, The companies that owned all this also often had a stake in newspapers (laughs) who sent people to review the movies being shown by the studio in their own theaters, and shockingly, those reviews were often uncritical.
1: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) not surprisingly, I suppose. I mean, though I think it's it's one of those where what we see in this, and again, what what I want to kind of get at is what we're seeing in these early days of cinema, again, the time this thing comes into, we are seeing vertical integration to the level where the companies own at least some portion of all the different pieces with this. This is not unheard of. I mean, there's mm-hmm. plenty of industries that have this. Again, I think the music industry, you would see some of the same kind of vertical integration, you know, between who owns the studio, who owns the, who owns the recording studio, recording space, versus who owns the record company. It and, makes sense, right? Yeah.
0: Like, I mean, wh- why should I pay
1: some third party to record when I could just be paying myself? Yeah. Well, and and a lot of it's also, I think, when you jump back, if you jump back to sort of early days, just whatever these things are, part of it was just who who owned what and how much of it was there. You know, these mm-hmm. were, were not Talking about mega corporations, we're talking about things that are smaller. Um, I mentioned to you earlier, my wife and I are currently watching the Ken Burns Country Music documentary. Um, you know, we recorded the whole thing and we're currently watching it. And one of the things that always I always remember that always struck me, because um, they talked about it a little bit, we just had Johnny Cash and Elvis Presley, um, is when going out to Sun Records and the idea that, you know, when Sun Records, like you could just rent out space in Sun Records to record your you know, yeah. the, your record, and they would just give you a copy of it. That was one of the things that you did as a master, and you walked away. But that's how you an independent them, record company works now. Yeah. If
0: you, you walk in, you rent, it's, it's like, you know, it's like you're going to take your hockey team to the ice rink to play some hockey. You yeah. know, you, you rent the ice for an hour, and then you get to play. Yeah. And it's the same thing with recording. You rent the studio for an hour, and whatever you do, it's yours. Yeah,
1: and then what you had is you basically had Sun Records, the company that actually produced records. Basically, if they liked what you were doing, you didn't have to pay and they just take some cut of what the records were that they sold. So I think it's one of those things where when we get back into, again, sort of the timing of when we're going to be looking at this, we had this much more sort of vertical integration, this much more idea that these were not necessarily separate industries even. Like we talk about it being vertical integration, but... Not necessarily separate industries, just separate parts of the same coin, so to speak.
0: Yeah, and it kind of makes sense that it would be that way. I mean, we, you and I listened to a, a number of podcasts. There was one we listened to recently where they talked about how hard is it to make a pencil? Yeah. How many different people do you need to have to make a pencil? In
1: the current you world. Know,
0: in the current world. You need a lumber company to get the wood. You need a, a rubber company to get the eraser. A tin company to make the little connector. Somebody to make the graphite. Someone's got to mine all this stuff. None of these people, like you can use graphite and wood and rubber for lots of different things. Yeah. But you only make a movie for one reason, that's to show it to people. Yeah, you know? exactly. So, so you know, with, with the pencil... Or to win Oscars. Yeah. With, with the pencil <laughs> example, you can just go find some completely unrelated company that mines and sells graphite because there's a million companies out there who want to buy graphite. Yeah. So you don't need to vertically integrate the graphite company with your pencil company. But movies are different. You know, I'm going to make a movie with a movie camera, and the only reason to sell a movie camera is to make a movie, yeah. and the only reason to sell a movie is to show it in theaters, at least at the time. Yeah. So the vertical integration makes sense because these are all very narrow purpose, special purpose products uh,
1: that really have no other use. So you're only going to have a movie studio to make a movie. The best thing we may be bumping into quite frankly here is the script. I mean, yeah. obviously, a movie script has one purpose, to make a movie. You know, Rarely can you turn a movie script, you know, if you've made a movie script out of a book or you've written an originally scripted movie, you're not going to sell the movie script, so to speak. You know, you're going to be, it's going to be something where you just provide it, you know. You it's give to it to the studio, the they, yeah, yeah,
0: they make the movie. Speaking of scripts, you can see some of uh, the, if you want to see an, uh, a contemporary example of this historical context, uh, go watch Citizen Kane, uh, a movie famously about, uh, uh supposedly about William Randolph Hearst yeah. who had this sort of newspaper empire and was dating an actress and you know put, supposedly ordered the newspapers to give uncritical reviews of her movies and that yeah. sort of thing and the the citizen kane character uh bears more than a passing similarity to that so uh there, the, some of this this backdrop can be seen in that film well this so you know so you might be thinking, so what? So the movie theater also – or the movie uh, – the film, film studio also owns the movie theaters. Well, who cares, right? Yep. Well, the problem was that this gave rise to basically – well, a whole bunch of anti-competitive practices that the government didn't like, but three in particular. Uh, the first one was called Block Booking, and this is where a movie film or uh, a film studio <laughs> uh, would would force theaters to, if you want to get our good movies that are going to do well and yeah. make you a lot of money, you've also got to take some stinkers that we don't think are going to do that well. They're not mass appeal movies, but we want them out there to take up space, crowd out competition, and get at least some people in to see
1: them. Also quite frankly to potentially win awards.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, the second thing that didn't like was called clearances, which basically meant granting geographic exclusive deals to certain theaters or chains. And the last one went the other way. It was called circuit dealing. This is where the theater is functioning as The Monopolist, and it's going down to the studios and saying that if you place your movies in a competing multiplex, a competing line of theaters, then uh, we're not going to allow you to put any more in our theater. So if you've got like a regional monopoly uh, where you own all the theaters in like a three-state area, you can effectively keep, you know, keep competing films out by telling a certain studio, you can't go to any of our competitors. It makes it harder uh, you know, to get movies into indie uh, theaters and yep. places like that. So uh, this was all busted up in the 1930s and the studios were forced to get rid of the cinemas they owned Um, and now we see in in the current day you see a lot of market consolidation within the movie theater industry and like AMC and it was... uh, what was the other one we had around here that was just bought by uh, Marcus?
1: Regal? Was just, Mark- just bought? Was just bought by Marcus?
0: Yeah, was yeah bought by Marcus. And then there's like a Regal, I think, is that Regal another one just that's got around? like one
1: theater, if I remember correctly. We have a yeah. number of independents. We have two different independents. Yeah, there's groups, quite a St. few independents in St.
0: Louis. Um yeah. but like Ronnie's, you know, was a yeah. was a, an was a and it's Warenberg and now Marcus, I guess. So yeah. uh, the rules changed a lot since the 1930s, and so the government is revisiting this Paramount consent decree, which basically said they would agree not to not to own these movie theaters. Yeah, the
1: key I think we want to get into what the paramount descent degree was, was the studio could not own a theater. The thing that I think is interesting, and I mentioned this on the way over, this occurred in the 1930s, mm-hmm. which is a precursor to another breakup having to do with not being able to own and vertically integrate, which was the repeal of Prohibition.
0: Yeah, the it alcohol not industry. shortly
1: much after this, um, where the creation was, hey, you know, you can't own a distributorship and a bar, and and a lot of arguments for Prohibition, a lot of the concern with Prohibition, was the fact that alcohol manufacturers also own saloons or bars. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, what's interesting, I think, is we see a very similar arrangement also getting broken up around the same time. Yeah. Now, that was obviously done you know, constitutionally, Prohibition's a much larger sort of thing than this was, but we've got to wonder... Could there have been some influences one to the other here?
0: Yeah, it, it does seem that way, right? Like there's a concern with the inherent, I guess you'd almost call it a, a, a business or a commercial conflict of interest where the same company that is making a product also controls where you can buy it. Yeah. And and I, I wonder and this this consent decree came out of that time period. It really only covers, I think, four or five studios, maybe six, and it was only the biggest studios at the time, one of which was RKO Radio. How many yeah. of you have ever seen a movie? produced by RKO Radio (laughs) I don't think there's
1: been any in your lifetime though though you probably recognize things from RKO Radio um, that still exists sort of today if I remember that's King was was RKO yeah Yeah. it was RKO Um, isn't the Radio City Rockettes RKO you know it may be it may be Um, I may be wrong with that but I'm thinking for some reason that may be RKO as well yeah Um, so
0: so there's there's this this underlying concern of, of what happens here but interestingly you know Kirk if I said what's the biggest movie studio right now what would you say Biggest movie studio? Yeah. Disney. Disney, exactly. Uh, Disney was not part of this. They were a tiny studio at the yeah. time, borderline irrelevant. Uh, so they are not part of this consent decree. Well, they were decree. an animation studio, really, I think, was the yeah. only thing they really produced. Yeah, I mean, what Snow White was the 30s. I think Snow White may have come out after this decree. Yeah. You know, around I mean, the we obviously We time. have
1: Steve Bill Willie, we have Mickey Mouse, we have early Disney. Yeah, they're, they're know, doing things, Disney,
0: but, but. It's, it's, a, it's a bit player in an industry and they were not part of this decree, but they have basically followed it. All of the smaller studios, even the ones that have gotten big now, have basically voluntarily adhered to the terms of this consent yeah. decree, although they don't have to. So Disney could go out and buy AMC. They just haven't. And yeah. that, that's an interesting question by well, itself. Well, and you also
1: have a lot of consolidation that you don't necessarily see. Like the example of it's Paramount, Tristar, and Universal, I think are all the same parent company. I'm trying to remember which one it is, and you can tell when you watch because I think Paramount and
0: Universal are separate. Maybe are separate. Maybe it's Paramount yeah. and Tristar. Tristar is that the one that has the 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 Pegasus yeah. logo? Yeah, I couldn't tell you the last time I saw that. Part of
1: the trick to it is, and I know this is to what it is, is it's the, you can tell the ones that are the Paramount because they always have the cloud in the background. Yeah. They always have the Paramount cloud in the background of their logo. Um, so even if which it's Paramount, one has the
0: lady holding the torch with the bright light? Which one was that? Um...
1: I thought Columbia. Universal
0: had the globe. Columbia, Columbia yeah. Columbia Pictures, yeah. Yep. I don't even
1: know who owns these now. I yeah, so I mean, we definitely them. sort of bump into those. Yeah, I think it's we've got Universal, we've got Paramount, and I think it's Paramount TriStar, and I want to say there's a third one in theirs as well. Um, Disney, obviously, yeah. you know, Columbia... Um, Columbia yeah. may even be the Sony, Sony one. Sony, Sony's got one. Sony, yeah. Yeah, we, we, we won't comment on Sony Pictures. <laughs> well, <right>. Why not?
0: <laughs> uh, I will not editorialize. So, um, you know, the world's changed a lot since the 1930s, and this is about as far as Kirk and I got in researching the background of this, and we thought we'd just sort of have a freewheeling discussion of what why this might be happening now yeah. and what it might mean. And my first thought on this is, if the motivation for this uh, decree originally was that there's an inherent conflict between being the producer and the retailer, yep. has streaming basically not eliminated but mitigated that concern enough to where we just don't think it's necessary to have this rule anymore. I'm not sure it's mitigated it, but has it moved it away from the theater? It, it certainly. I would certainly say it has, and and I think I feel like movie theaters are a, a dying industry, which I hate to say because <laughs> I love going to the movies, yeah. but it's uh it's not always the best experience yeah. the, and i don't i don't know if the theaters can do anything about that uh, i don't know about you like when's the last time you went to a movie <laughs> uh, this last
1: weekend okay we saw, you saw told frozen, frozen 2 yeah. on on opening night um, you know i have a 10 year old daughter so we saw frozen 2 on opening night and she said she was you know her friends are very into you're not supposed to like frozen but she still does um mm-hmm. Which, by the way, if you haven't seen it, great movie.
0: We have not yet. (laughs) See, this 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 goes to my point. I've got six kids. I can't just take a kid to Frozen 2 and only spend... Only $35 <laughs> getting in the door. You know, with, with my kids, it's going to be a $150 day to go to the movies. Yeah, not including snacks. Yeah, it's, it's insane. So uh, we, we, don't, we, we love going to the movies. We love yep. the, you know the experience of being in a cinema. But my wife and I try to go to movies that are rated R because, one, it means we cannot take our children, which <laughs> is nice. Yep. It also means other people won't be there with their children for the most part, which is also nice. And the movies are usually better. They're usually a little yep. less watered down. Um but I, I feel like the movie theaters are really struggling and that anymore you, you pretty much only see like just movies that come out. Uh we talked about um what was the one with uh the, the four female scientists? Um, um Annihilation. Uh, Annihilation. Yeah. I, I never even heard of that movie being in the theaters until after it was already out. See, I heard about it. Part it of because
1: it's because I love Natalie Port- Portman. Portman is an actress. Yeah. I think she just she's brilliant as an actress. Um, and so it's one of those where there are very, very few movies I will go see because of somebody starring in it. She is one of the few mm-hmm. um, that would get me into a movie. Um, and you know, pretty much the lines it's not Star Wars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she, she was not good in Star Wars, but some of her other movies. I mean, Closer is utterly amazing. Annihilation is a great yeah. movie. Um, And so it's one of those where, you know, I happen to know that as to what it was. I remember it coming out. I really wanted to see it when it came out. Um, I'm pretty sure it played in one of the art theaters here. Um, when it came out, you know, it's, I sort of recall seeing, um, definitely, I remember, recall seeing movie posters for it, and I think that's where I saw them. Um, but, yeah, I think what, what you are seeing, I think, with theaters, and I think anybody who's been to the movie theater recently, theaters are unquestionably changing, mm-hmm. and they are changing radically. Um, you know, we just It wanted- used to
0: be how many seats can you cram into the yeah. room and still pass the fire code, you know? <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> and definitely it used to be a lot of things like that but I think what you're seeing is you're seeing screens get bigger you're seeing them get you know more 3D's you know options like that but in particular Seats are bigger more comfortable yeah. You're definitely seeing the improvements to the seats, and you're also seeing the improvements to the concessions, which mm-hmm. is obviously movie theaters make a lot of money in concessions. I mean, there's the, the running comment: Why is movie theater popcorn so expensive? And the answer is because the movie theater tickets are so cheap. Yeah, you know that's how they make their money. But you're starting to see you know places that really serve food, like legitimate food, like like menu food, menu food, decent
0: cocktails. Yeah, I mean
1: we were yeah, kids, bars, bars at all? Yeah, because I mean, you, you, know, you buy beer theaters. at a movie theater when we were kids. <laughs> I don't, don't remember that. that you know, uh, it was hard enough to get soda. You know, as the, you know, the thing as it was. The uh, the other thing I think you're really seeing um, in theaters, though you're seeing this, I think, everywhere, it, it kind of bothers me actually, quite frankly, in a lot of movie theaters, um, is the the rewards programs. Yeah, um, We just went to an AMC, so we went to, to Frozen, we went to an AMC theater, yep. and I know they have their AMC pr- like Plus, where literally, I think you see the movies for free, you yeah, join in as a fr- subscription, yeah. you see the movies for th- free, it's up to three a week, which is an enormous number of movies when you think about it. We
0: we, the, I, I, we like the AMC benefits package better than the, the Marcus one. Yeah. But the theaters around us are all market theaters. We don't get to use our AMC benefits as much.
1: See, I'll tell you, we're really bad. We are near universally St. Louis movie theater um, goers, which is one of the local uh, private ones here, partially because of the fact that they have very good food um, mm-hmm. all the way up into pizzas. They also have, and and by far my favorite theater if, in St. Louis, if you ever come to it, is the moolah. Um, the moolah is an old moolah uh, shrine, as uh, to what it is, that they converted the room into. It's a giant screen, and you sit in leather couches mm. because it doesn't have built-in seating. Now It does on the upper tier. There's an upper tier of it, but the lower tier is all leather couches. You have tables by the sides of all the leather couches. Full bar, full food. Um, it's just, it's a great experience of a place to see a movie. Um, it also has a bowling alley in the same building. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those It's really fun to go for premieres because the it's not built to have lines. Mm-hmm. So the lines kind of go every which direction and all over the place. I mean, you'll get people standing in stairways. It's it's a really sort of fun place, I think, to see a movie. We've seen a lot of the big releases. We saw a number of the recent Star Wars releases there. Um, we saw the, the, the Hobbits releases there. Um, we just like go. I like going to that theater partially because I like sitting in a leather couch. They do a lot of also kind of crazy late night movies. You know the late night horror movies, at midnights and stuff like that as releases. They're right by one of the college universities, uh, college campuses here. Um, but yeah, so we do a lot of the private theaters um, that you know that group in particular, mm-hmm. just because the fact that a lot of it's they have they have good food, they have good beer, um, they put real butter on their popcorn. That's amazing. In conjunction with it, in, and it's my son's comment. We are one of the few families I think who get our money out of the popcorn, um, my son can eat an entirely seven-year-old son, can eat a large bag of popcorn by himself. Wow. Um, I've seen him. He will <laughs> regularly do it. Um, he adores movie theater popcorn. It's uh, one of his absolute favorite he, he things. He and I have that in common. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's not surprising for us to have to refill our large bag two, if not three times. So we, we get our money out of our popcorn bag.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, and I think another thing, another factor here is that the cost to make movies has just gotten ridiculously out of control. I mean, What would yes. you say is a cheap movie to make these days? I mean, it's in the millions, well into the millions. I mean, I would say ten million dollars yes. for, for like a, a wide national release movie is absurdly cheap. Yeah, uh, yeah If you're talking
1: yeah. something that's not indie,
0: yeah, exactly. Like you can still have your occasional, you know, Kevin Smith, you know, indie films that you can make for thirty-five thousand. Blair Witch Project. Uh, Everybody remember know, that? Blair Witch Project. Oh my god! I don't get me. I, I, <laughs> I, okay. So I am, I am on the. Did you like that movie? I did like the movie actually. R- no, it's, Why? it's weird. <laughs> I just remember sitting down and 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 watching it and saying, "Well, what am I looking at? Why do I care about these people?" <laughs> and then. Uh... I did not get the shaky cam sickness, although I do hate the shaky cam filming yeah. style. It's kind of gone
1: by the wayside, I think.
0: It has, and you know, was with Blair Witch, it was at least organic. Like they were holding the cameras, and they're not camera people. Yeah. you know, they don't know what they're doing, so it at least made sense there. But like, m- there was a, a spate of of movie making style from like 2000 to about five years ago, <laughs> where whenever there's an action scene, the camera's going to be really, really close in, tight on the action, with really, really quick cuts from scene to scene. And a lot of shakiness and and, and blurring. Yeah. And I just remember watching these movies like this, like the um, Batman Begins, like the final fight scene in the train was like that. I remember I'm... Cloverfield. Yeah, I'm like, I, I can't tell what's going on. Like, I don't have any sense of where the characters are yeah. in space relative to each other. So I just can't even follow what's going on in yeah. the fight. I sure think uh,
1: 8mm did it too, if I remember rightly, didn't Yeah, uh,
0: the end of Black Panther had a little bit of this. when they we were fighting in the train area. Yeah. There was so much CGI and moving around. Maybe I'm just going to be too old, you know, to watch movies like I, that. I think
1: the one thing, that, you know, just talking generally about movies that we sort of bump into in conjunction, We you talk about the cost of them, I think part of it is the sheer use of... CGI. That's the thing. You know, it's we're starting to see, and I think Black Panther is a great example. You know, there's there's CGI moments in that film that don't need to be CGI. Mm-hmm. It's just it's almost cheaper to do them in CGI now than it is through anything else. But just telling well, you about expect the cost, it, right?
0: Like if you're going to have a comic book movie, if there is not some big, epic, long, drawn out, elaborate fight at the end, <laughs> people are going to walk out and be like, "That well, was boring." It was
1: a super. It was a superhero movie. We need yeah. superheroes to fight.
0: C- compare that to like uh, Obi Wan's fight with Darth Vader. You yeah. know. <laughs> it's <laughs> very badly choreographed. It's it's a guy in a costume and an old man swinging, you know, cardboard tubes at each other. I and you cardboard tubes, they were wires. Somebody fixed it in <laughs> editing, you know. Uh, you know, th- that's not an especially compelling fight scene. Compare that to say the end of episode 2, yeah. where Yoda gets out his lightsaber and and we find out that he's just pretending to be old and frail all this time, and yeah. he's actually a, a crazy uh, little ninja guy. Yeah, exactly. Which, when I first saw it, I was—I I went from this is silly to this is actually kind of cool to no, this is silly to what <laughs> is well done for something that's silly. Like I, I'm not laughing at least, which I thought I might be, but yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, you're, you're right. Even movies that don't seem to need CGI, yeah, you know, because it's one of these things that were because we have it and it's affordable now in the context of a movie budget. Budget. It's it's used because we can use it. Yeah. And I think it was Lucas that said, you know, a special effect without a story is a boring thing. Yeah. Like, you 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 know, the story needs to drive
1: when you need to use it and, and when you don't. We used to have so much push of the what could you do with special effects. I mean, I still remember, like, watching Making of the Empire Strikes Back mm-hmm. and, you know, how they did this Luke Snowspeeder getting hit. I mean, there's a firecracker in a model. Yeah. You know, and stuff like that. And, you know, they, they had so much they had to work out about how to make these effects work. They couldn't do a lot of them.
0: Well, particularly or, in Empire. I mean, we the reason, we always use special effects in space is because it's black so yeah. that when you when you matte print the foreground objects <laughs> under the painting you can't see the matte box that well although if you watch Star Wars you can see the, the boxes, well. around yeah. yeah and hide def on the TIE Fighters but you can't do that when you have a, a daytime background so if you watch The Empire Strikes Back you know the way they got around that was to not print the foreground objects in full opacity so you can actually see the ad walkers through the through the snow speeders if you watch that scene because they didn't print all the elements at the, at, at, at you know and in a non-transparent level to help yeah. minimize those matte boxes. But, yeah. and, and I don't think they've ever really cleaned that up in the special edition. I hope they don't. Like, yeah, that's they a, that's they, a they, neat they, thing. They
1: truly didn't. And I, I have to admit that it's one of those where I actually enjoy watching the high-def special edition, in some sense, of Star Wars because I actually like seeing the matte boxes. McCloskey! Uh, McCloskey? We're not going to get <laughs> into McCloskey
0: this episode. <laughs> if you don't know what that is, go watch the newest version of Star Wars <laughs> on Disney+, Plus, where, where Greedo... Inexplicably (laughs) adds a word. (laughs) So okay, let's 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 cover this real quick. This is the episode of a million digressions. Everybody knows the Greedo Han scene in the cantina. Han shot for everybody knows that that's canon, and the new stuff is not. Um, But. They they keep messing with that. I don't understand why. Just change it back. It's
1: universally hated.
0: But they, they won't do that for some reason. I feel like it's a big middle finger to all the fans. Like, I don't care how bad you want that. We're not going to fix it. So now the thing is, Greedo says, uh, you know, over. My, or no, Hans says, over my dead body, Greedo says, um, you know, Glad I found you first. That's uh, the idea. Uh, uh, Greedo says, I've been waiting for this a long time. Han says, yeah, I and bet sure you have. I have. Then what really happens is Grido, uh gets shot. Han yes. just shoots him on the, the table because he's,
1: un- he's unholstered his blaster. You've yeah. seen him doing it.
0: Then some unauthorized rogue operatives in Disney who have not yet been caught have gone in and changed <laughs> that scene time and time again. So Greedo shoots first and Han... And gre- misses wildly somebody misses sitting across wildly. the table from him. Then Han shoots him. And now in the latest first, version after Han says yeah I bet you have Greedo shouts McCloskey, McCloskey without
1: translation remember what There's Greedo's no speaking alien and there is subtitles for what he says there is no translation to the word McCloskey presented and then they shoot simultaneously
0: yeah, <laughs> I do not understand. And so, if you see a bunch of Star Wars memes out there showing all the other "quote unquote" additions that have been made, which is Rito shouting McCloskey, <laughs> in yeah, parts.
1: the best one I still think is, is is Yoda Yoda saying McCloskey after announcing there is another as he dies. McCloskey, <laughs> sorry, spoiler from from Empire from Return of Jedi there. Yeah, if you, um, if you haven't seen that, go see
0: it. Um, okay, so we, we're we're digressing um, quite a bit. <laughs> we're um, digressing. And you know, I think another factor here in in what's changing the movie. Industry is there is a level of competition in other industries that they didn't previously have to face. And I'm yes. thinking specifically of video games, yes. which are are now a bigger industry than movies in the United States, at least, and, and certainly everything globally. else
1: in many respects. I mean, video games yeah. are now the biggest entertainment industry. Yeah, and
0: I and a lot of that growth is actually coming. Uh, oddly enough, I just looked this up this morning. Uh, mobile gaming, we yeah. probably would have predicted that, but also PC gaming has picked up more than consoles. Consoles kind of absorbed what used to be the arcade space. Yes. Arcades, you know, another thing that's gone. Uh, but we're seeing an uptick in mobile gaming and actually VR starting to take off too
1: yeah I mean I I think it's amusing with sort of Last of the Arcade because it's you know I have abiding memories of when I was in high school I used to go out to see movies with a bunch of friends Mm -hmm. you know it it was my role playing group um and whenever we went, nerds. we would always go, yeah, total nerds. <laughs> when we used to go, we would always go to Aladdin's Castle, which was the local yep. arcade in the mall yep, in where the you'd mall. go to see the movies. And we'd Where go, smoking we'd, was allowed. Yeah, we'd go two hours ahead of time, um, get our tickets to make sure we could get there, and then we'd all go over to the arcade, and the trick was there were five of us, and if you bought $100 worth of tokens, you got like $50 free. So we'd all show up with 20 bucks, pool the money, one person would walk in and get the $100, $150 worth of tokens, and then we'd play video games for two hours mm-hmm. in the arcade before going over and... Uh, and watching the movie. And it's it's one of those things like, we did that a lot. Like that was just a lot of like going out. I mean, we were 80s mall rats. I mean, yeah. that's what that was. But I think the what you really see going on in the theater right now, and this was my take, is I think there's been a, a sort of recognition that movies, TVs, video games, it, you know, as as parents we get called the thing all the time of screen time Mm -hmm. you know and worry about screen time and screen time is all of those things and I think what you've seen in the entertainment industry is you've seen the entertainment industry sort of acknowledge that screen time is all of those things how do you distinguish screen time and what you're really seeing with movies now is the idea that going to the movies is an experience it should involve the food you know it's a big thing with the food the food is I think quite frankly the food is not nearly as unreasonable as it used to be
0: I think it's actually gotten better like you know a, a bucket of popcorn for $8 is absurd or I can get a personal pizza for twelve. That's not yeah. that bad.
1: Yeah, but even the bucket of popcorn for eight dollars includes refills. It's a lot of popcorn. It, yeah,
0: it is. And, it's and, an inhumane <laughs> amount of popcorn. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> As we talk about, you know, my seven-year-old son eating all of it, or eight-year-old son, I should say. But the, um, but yeah, it's one of those things where you know what what I think you've really gotten is this idea of it being experience, and you've also gotten the improvement in the theaters. You know, the vast majority of theaters now have high-end digital projectors. Mm-hmm. They have very good quality surround sound systems. You know the seats are comfortable. Like they've recognized we got to take on the home theater, which is obviously also screen time. You know, which got very impressive. I mean, it's I remember you know you could walk into and watch the demo rooms and like home theater presentations, and some of them were almost as impressive as movie theaters were. But at the same time, the screen isn't as big. Um, You know, you just don't have sort of the ability to do as much stuff with it. And so I think that that's what we've really seen theaters doing right now is I think you see theaters going much more to this concept that this is a night out and this is fun and we want to make everything for it. Mm -hmm. You talk about the idea with our movies. It's funny, like I said, we, we saw Frozen. We had a, a little girl that was very, very excited in the front couple rows of our movie theater that kept yelling out at the screen. And it was one of those things where, I mean, her parents were horrified of this and were constantly trying to shush her. But I think it was one of those things where I think the rest of us in the movie theater were all like, you know, we're, we all have small kids here. Yeah, None of us really that's care. a kid's movie. You,
0: you expect that. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, I think with the movie theater experience, you know, I, I think that's a, a good point with, with everybody's got some kind of home theater system now. Yeah. It, it may not be a great one, but you've got something. Yeah. Uh, you've got streaming. You can get access to a lot of stuff. And it's just, we, we more and more live in our homes. I know it sounds weird to say, but we used to live out in our communities yeah. uh, more so than we do now. And I think we're becoming more and more isolated uh, people where we spend more times in our homes because going out is a pain. You know, you remember when you were a kid, you used to get dressed up to go fly in an airplane or go to the <laughs> movie theater. I mean, not like always yeah. oh, your Sunday best, but you at least, you know, you dress a little nicer. You Like now, I just wear jeans and a t-shirt out to yeah. the movies. What do I care? <laughs> of
1: course, do that to work, so it's, you know. Well, yeah, we don't work
0: on that kind of job. Uh, you know, but but going to the movies now, I mean, I, most movies, it costs so much and it's such a pain. Most stuff I will just watch when it comes out at home. It's not like the, it used to be where, you know, when we were kids, if you didn't catch it in the theater, you may not ever get yeah. to see it, you know. Well,
1: I, I I joke about that when I was a kid. It's, so I didn't see Star Wars in the theaters. I saw the, I saw Empire as my first Star Wars movie. And I saw it going to people's um birthday parties. Yeah. And the issue with it was is because I was just on, I, w- I was essentially, a, as my parents would have said, too young to see Star Wars. They thought mm-hmm. I was a little bit too young for it. You know, it was they science fiction battle. They'd worry I'd be scared. I wouldn't understand it, sort of stuff like that. So they didn't take me to see Star Wars even when it became the phenomenon that it became. But it sort of continued for so long. And, you know, going in Empire, like I knew all about Star Wars. I'd seen Star I think I may have even seen it on mm-hmm. TV, but I definitely had not seen it in the theater. Um, And I remember going to see Empire at... at kids birthday parties well when they released Empire they also re-released Star Wars yep. either just before it or just after it and I think it was, I must have think it was just after it because then I went to go see Star Wars in the theater <clears throat> around the time I saw Empire Strikes Back I saw it again I saw both of them again in the theaters around the time they saw Return of the Jedi now we see a bit of that I think with theaters I mean I still remember where they do you know they, they've they done like Lord of the Rings like showing all of the movies back to back Yeah. you know when they would released a new one you know the big marathon thing stuff like that they've done it with Star Wars as big marathons you next time. Um, the one that I've wanted to do at some point in time is go see all of the best picture nominees for the Oscars, which they tend to show back to back in mm-hmm. certain theaters, which I think is a great idea actually yeah. as a you know sort of night out. But I think that's that phenomenon. It's coming to this idea of saying no, we're trying to make this more of an event. Yeah. But by making it more of an event, we're trying to combine it with other things. Like we recognize you need food, you know, in order to do this. And it can't just be popcorn and candy, you know. It needs like you're going to gonna be... come and
0: have dinner at the movie theater, not just have snacks, yeah. but have dinner.
1: Because otherwise, you're going to you know sit in front of your or, you know, sixty-inch TV and eat dinner.
0: Yeah, eat yeah, dinner there. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, th- I think that's true. And so you know, you, you you only go to the movie theater now to see a movie that you want to have the big screen experience yes. with the uh, with uh, the surround sound. And and you know, I think there are other. And this basically means you go see. Blockbusters, You know, your yeah. Marvel films, your Star Wars, the movies everybody's going to see. You know, it used to be that you went because if you didn't see it, you may not get to, right? Like, yeah. Star Wars would be out on TV on some channel at some point. You didn't know when. Well, when that breaks... Yeah, with <laughs> ad breaks, it would take three and a half hours to get to the movie, <laughs> and they'd cut half an hour from it to yeah, and, the ad and, you, breaks. and you didn't always know if a movie would be released on on VHS at all. It yeah. wasn't by no means guaranteed the way that it is now, and the cycle might be years. Whereas now, you know, a movie's out in the theaters. I've I remember seeing ads for movies, and then Mackenzie shows up with it. That's my wife. Yeah, uh, on DVD, I'm like, isn't that still in the theaters? And she's like, No, it's been out for like three months. Yeah, like only three months. and It's on DVD already. Well, the ones
1: I, I there's movies now
0: that get released simultaneously. Like we go to hotels and you can get Movies that are in the theater yeah. on your
1: TV. Well, one of the ones I think that's interesting is when you talk about the idea of the the timing of the theaters and you know going to see it. Um, or potentially missing it in the theater. Um, you also had the question of, is it even going to appear on TV? And if it does, when is it going to appear? And can you watch it? And it was an edited version. I mean, yeah, it, it was didn't hand have and Scan. You know? I didn't
0: see all of Star Wars yeah. uh, until probably 1986 because I only ever saw the versions on TV, which cut a bunch of stuff out.
1: Yep, yeah, there's a number of versions that have sort of cut things on TV, which is, for those of you who like, you know, are definitely sort of younger in our audience, one of the really fascinating things to do is go and watch, like because I'm sure you can find the things with it, like, here's the t- TV edit of something versus mm-hmm. here's the um, if you can find it yeah or here versus here's the movie theater the one I do recommend and it's it it's changes it but it's one of those things that I think is is worth noting is Robotech you probably remember Robotech from when we I were do. kids um, which is based upon Japanese anime Macross um, but one of the great things to sort of go and see and I have a number of them they released it and I love the fact that they released is it, what's called the Macross Perfect Collection. And I have them on VHS. I know they did them on DVDs um, as well. But what they did is they presented Macross, the original Japanese anime, as it ran in Japan with subtitles. And their subtitles are fairly rigid translations. You know, they, they try not very to Americanize it. Yeah. They try to make it very a little more rigid to make it very clear what the characters are saying. Sort of Speed Racer-esque. <laughs> yeah, and then immediately thereafter, they show you as it was portrayed as Robotech in the United States. And what's so interesting is Robotech was a kid's cartoon, but Macross was very much designed... For adults. In addition, the Macross episode is about seven minutes longer than Mm -hmm. the Robotech episode because of the way they do ad breaks. So every episode you see a few minutes get cut. Mm -hmm. And you can see the way they changed some elements of the plot by what they cut. So one of the ones I think is most interesting in it is there's a scene where they're wandering around the big Macross station and the, the characters are mostly teenagers and in the Japanese version there's a scene where one of them suggests going to the red light district and it's obvious what it is um, you know in the Japanese presentation from it that scene needless to say is cut from the kids presentation course, yeah. um, and so it's a very interesting thing to sort of see the way editing affects these things uh, with it the pan and scan is another great example Is just yeah. getting a hold of a pan and scan movie and again we all have widescreen TVs now, I never now. saw
0: Letterboxd Star Wars until the mid 90s yeah. there was no idea the other things on the side of The screen that I had not seen before. Yeah. Because if you ever see the pan and scan version, which is probably hard to find now, I've got a copy at home, uh, there are are parts of that where characters reference things that are not on screen and the scene doesn't make any sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Pan and scan, for those of you who don't know it, there's a lot now where they're going to the HDs, they're going backwards from pan and scan. The TV screen was square, the movie screen was rectangular. Yeah. The TV screen was
0: 3 to 4 ratio, and the movie theater is like 16 to 9.
1: Yeah. Um, And so what they do in order to make things suitable for use on TV, they would only show part of the image.
0: Yeah, they cut off the sides. They
1: cut off the sides, but it wasn't always both sides. They oftentimes would do it where they'd show, like, if two characters were talking, on the TV version, you may actually see it cut rapidly from one to the other, facing the opposite direction, whereas in the widescreen, you'd actually see both of them standing on opposing sides of the screen. Um, So there's a lot of comments of, like, the way Pan and Scan changed it. It was a big push. Um, I know when I was in, you know, college and law school and things like that, and I was starting to get DVDs, one of the big pushes for DVDs was the fact that they were starting to put widescreen versions on Mm -hmm. you could get widescreen versions so you could really see the original and there was a huge push of those being the sort of premier editions but people still liking Pan and Scan because they didn't like the black bars now I think we're all incredibly used to black bars I mean it's something we just don't even see on our TV anymore even when they're there you don't even need them now yeah
0: yeah, along those lines, I, there was a practice for a while where, where TV stations would, in the TV version of a movie, they would they would take, you know, every second a film has 24 frames. Is that what it is, 24 frames Sounds per second right. for Something cinema? They would drop one frame out. So over the course of, um, you know, 30 seconds— You've you've accumulated an entire second worth of movie that you've dropped out by dropping one frame per second. Yeah, you do that thirty times, you can squeeze in one more commercial. Yeah, and and the directors actually complained about it at one point and said, you know, by 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 doing that, you know, the audience doesn't really notice, but you are subtly altering the timing and pacing of the movie in a way that could yeah. change, you know, the the cons- the creative expression. And I don't know whatever happened to that if it went anywhere or yeah, not. I just remember s- being annoyed by it.
1: Yeah, what I think is interesting about that if you want to see how that affects things, definitely go out, get on YouTube and check out the. Uh, the song rewrites where they cut out every other beat mm-hmm. um, as to how radically you can alter something. I mean, there there's fascinating songs. Um, quite frankly, Old Town Road um, Old Town Road with every other beat removed is a totally different song and it's really interesting actually but it's one of those things you can see where small subtle changes like that now that one's pretty blunt obviously because you're con- removing every Dropping other the beat, beat yeah. but it's it's one of those things where it's really interesting to see what they've got sort of going with it. we're digressing again into sort of yeah. so this, this consent
0: is, decree so let's just assume we don't know what's going to happen with it yet it's, it's in the courts for review I don't really know how that process works but let's assume that it's going to be deregulated you know what's going to happen like do, do you see any of the
1: movie studios going out and buying up chains of theaters? Because I really don't. I don't either. I have the feeling we might get a few private label theaters coming out. I mean, admittedly, we already have a few. I mean, if you go to Universal Studios in Florida, there's Mm -hmm. a gigantic movie theater on Universal Studios, which obviously shows Universal movies. Um, You know, I think we're going to see some come out, potentially premier theaters. Yeah. But I think the thing you're going to bump into is, if I'm a, a big movie producer... I don't want to own as many theaters as I would probably need to really get a big release released. I'd probably like still like Disney, the for example. Party. I could totally see
0: Disney opening a, as in one Disney movie theater somewhere in St. Louis, probably yeah. like towards downtown and having also have like a Disney store like a, a sort of a miniature version of Disneyland yeah. a sort of a, a, an immersed experience but I can't I don't see them saying ergo we're not going to put our films in any other theaters yep. you know not everybody's going to drive down there to, to do that and I think they're going to actually get less you know yep. le- less overall revenue that
1: way I think they'd also have the advantage of doing that and again part of the reason I think they could see them doing it is because it would allow them to show back catalog on big screen with yeah when there's sounds. nothing else going
0: on they can always just be showing something you yeah. can run out For birthday parties, like there's a lot of opportunities there, but I don't know that the market niche for something like that goes beyond one or two theaters in a major city. Yeah, and I, I think that's exactly it. I don't see it's, them buying Marcus by any means. Yeah,
1: yeah, or any of the other big movie theater brands. Partially because I, it's you know while that means they could put all their movies in, the, the reality of it is they already have a lot of market control. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of requirements that the movies put to get their big movies. You know, the, I think the big one we all know is anything that gives you sort of rewards. A lot of times you can't use those reward points on all tickets. Yeah. sometimes you can't use like the first one or two weeks in um, with you know that's requirements of the movie theater to get that movie they already are imposing these controls on external through movie theaters I don't see them wanting to exercise more control by having their own theater recognizing the capital infrastructure of them trying to own that is substantial yeah it, it, it almost makes sense to give it independent.
0: Yeah, to me, movie theaters are almost more of a real estate enterprise. I mean, they are real estate, yeah. obviously, but it's 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 like it's like restaurants, it's like any retail. It's really about location. You now, are you in the places where people can get to yeah. when they want to get there? You know, if if you're not going to be everywhere in the city, then you, sh- you probably shouldn't really be anywhere with yeah. something like a movie theater, unless, like I said, you've got a, a theater that's part of a larger retail operation. And I could see, you know, I could even see like like Apple, like they've got their streaming service. Now, having a little, like, turning the Apple stores into something that's also got a theater room to show, like, Apple content or something like that. That's probably a bad example. what about, like, an Amazon or um, uh, Netflix? Like, do we see them changing in response to this? Like, are are they going to become the place where you take all your indie films now because –
1: they're it, already indies. I mean, yeah, you know the themselves. I mean, they're generating their own content. I mean, you know, we've had Netflix, and I think Amazon now have all both won Oscars, I believe, for content yeah. they put out. They're one. Do, do they maybe start a movie theater? I guess they could do yeah. that now. They could do it now, in some sense. I mean, because they're arguably not a movie studio. they think TV is how they're officially classified themselves as a TV studio, but. That's um. a good question,
0: and so this this also gets into some stuff we haven't really talked about yet in this episode, but we're going to get into eventually, which is um, the Federal Trade Commission, and we skipped over everything I had in here about how antitrust <laughs> actually works, but the Federal Trade Commission and the Federal Communications Commission are, are two different agencies that regulate the space to different degrees. Amazon is probably regulated by both because mm-hmm. they're streaming, so they're going to be interstate communications. Yeah. But the Federal Trade Commission gets involved with antitrust issues and busting up companies that that get too big and, yep. and
1: are anti-competitive. But I think you're also going to bump into, and I think this is the other thing with theaters when you're talking about you know what's really going to happen with this. Are we going to see the theater die? And I, think I think it's dying. It's, yeah, there's a lot of argument. It's already dying, you know, it's what it is. You know, losing to streaming and stuff like that. You've got to wonder how much would, you know, a Disney, a, a Paramount, a Universal, like some of these big, you know, movie studios, how much would they really want to own a theater knowing that what people really want to watch is streaming? Yeah. You know, they're going to want to stream. We're going to get better at streaming stuff to our TVs. You know, I mean, as, as TVs are being phased out, and new ones are coming in, streaming's getting much easier and easier. Yep. Um, you know, I mean, I have a bit of an issue. I have a TV that's right on the front end of when you could have internet connectivity. Um... But it's one of those things where I think we're just going to see more and more of that. So I kind of look at it and say, I just can't see. And I think that may be why they're reexamining this. Mm-hmm. The, the ownership of theaters for a studio is really that important of a thing. Yeah. Um, it might, if in some sense, it might save the theater. You know, because you might have these theaters come in and say, hey, I have specialty content. I'm going to make an extremely good quality theater. Taking a Disney, I'm going to use THX. You know, and I'm yeah. going to use THX to its extreme in every one of my theaters because I can. Yeah, and it's a maybe, lost leader. Maybe
0: you make it like a super high end experience where it's a smaller, like like I said, it's sort of a Disney theme park little yeah. area with with retail and and things like that. But you know, so here's a good example. I I, I, I watched Star Wars. Um, what was the last one we saw? Eight was it eight or, <laughs> or Solo? I forget. <laughs> solo
1: was the last one out.
0: Yeah. We went to an AMC theater to see that, and there were people there dressed up in Star Wars costume. Yeah. Uh, some were people just going to. The movies, but there's also two guys in stormtrooper outfits just standing around and like a little R2 D2. I to this day don't know. Those were just super fans (laughs) (laughs) with crazy good costumes, or if they were hired by the theater to be there, or did Lucasfilm send them there? I have no idea. Um, and I'm guessing that if they were hired by the theater without Lucasfilm's permission, they probably should not have been there. But I, I don't know. So uh, hopefully they didn't just rat anybody out. But, um, <laughs> but I mean, it's not unique to them. You go to any yeah. movie theater on Star Wars opening day, and there's a bunch of people in costume, right? Yeah, we, like, had,
1: we had, I mean, when, when episode, did you know, um I think it was when the special editions actually opened, we did one of the late night things. And we had people breaking into spontaneous lightsaber battles yeah. in these hallways, you know. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, it happens. So
0: you could see something like that at like, a, you know, a, a Disney Circle R uh, theater. Where they've got people in costume that are like waiting yeah. tables and stuff—a I miniature mean, version of the theme park, like I said. Well, pr- yep. do you do you see that though for like an NBC Universal theater? Yeah, I mean,
1: again, maybe. But I think the thing that's interesting also as well with the Disney and one of the things they've commented, like we all know the uh, Galaxy's Edge at Disney World yeah. now—that's D- canon. Like, what happens there is canon, you know? So, the idea is that that's part of the Star Wars universe, you know? Them idea of saying, hey, this is immersive. I can very well believe they would do something like this to say, hey, we want to make things immersive. You know, they're trying to make these immersive environments, make it more real, make it, Mm -hmm. you know, something you can live in. I can very well believe that they do it. again... Why do they need to do that at their theater? You know, they can just as yeah, readily just, do that at a third-party theater. I just feel like the profit margins at movie
0: theaters are thin. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's hard to imagine somebody who has a giant profit margin like a movie studio. I mean, there's also a large capital investment. Yeah, and, so there's and a huge there. amount of risk. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I get that. But I, I'm trying to imagine finding any appeal to investing in... Um, a, a whole regional series of multiplexes yeah. and and trying to... I mean, did the movie studios have any expertise in managing um, a, a retail enterprise like that? I yeah. just, I don't know what they does. do. Disney does, obviously. Disney does, but that's that. that. Disney's always going to be a unique example. Studios.
1: Well, yeah. Universal has it because of Universal Studios as well. But. Oh, that's true. That's true. They got the theme park They both have theme too. parks, you know. Does Universal have Harry Potter? Yes.
0: Okay, so that, that's their brand. That's what they would have as a Potter, you know. Yeah. Th- that's their thing. But what about, so who's left? I mean, because... Disney's got ABC, ESPN, DC, DC Comics, DC Comics. Who who is their production company? I want to say that's actually Universal. Yeah, yeah, because Universal so CBS They have a duopoly, and I guess ES- CBS is it's kind of, it's kind of yeah.
1: who owns CBS. I don't even know. Uh, are they just kind of off on their own. I think Time Warner. Time Warner. Uh-huh. Are they part of the CBS. I don't know. No, I so, somebody,
0: somebody, tweet at us and correct us. Well, so my last question here is. Do, you know, do we think that the availability of the internet as an independent distribution channel is going to be enough of a market counterforce to prevent any reemergence of monopolistic tendencies here? And I honestly have no idea. I I, think, I, I kind of assume so, but I don't know that that's based on anything other than wishful thinking.
1: I think the place to look here, quite frankly, is the music industry. Um, and you know, we've had you know we had the, the launch of iTunes. You know, the mm-hmm. launch of this sort of ability to just go music straight to the masses, streaming services. We have because we have music streaming, obviously. Mm-hmm. I mean, Pandora is not a record company. and um, never has been. They may at some point in time be one, um, but, you know, they're not, you know, owned by one currently, at least as far as I know, and definitely were not when they were founded. I think you're going to have a lot of... It, it, does, it does counteract some of the monopolistic testimonies. At the same time, I think the death of iTunes... Tells us that it may not be enough.
0: It's turning uh, into all streaming, right? Yeah. And And music is different from movies in a in, in one important way. There's no movie theater equivalent to music. There used to be. There's symphony and concert halls. Yeah. But you only go there to see live performances. The same way you go. That corresponds more to like a. a, um, a community theater, like yeah. an opera house, something like that. But there's no place you go to listen to pre-recorded music, you know, yeah. and, and pay to see it. The same way you do for movie theater, because you just don't need to. So in the music industry, when a new album launches, it launches everywhere simultaneously, and you can get it everywhere simultaneously for the most part. Yeah. Movies aren't like that. We have this phase rollout of first the theaters, and then the DVD, and then the streaming, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, I don't know if that model is going to stay in place. Do we get to the point yeah. where when when the movie releases you can go see it in a the theater if you want that experience or you can just stream it and all of this just turns into streaming services it's just a matter of where yeah. you consume the stream
1: well and that's i think the thing that's so interesting about it as well as we've also seen just quite frankly the nature of streaming services as we've now seen the binge watching entire seasons releasing it once mm-hmm. you know versus so take stranger things season two versus game of thrones season eight yeah one released serially you know, One obviously releases yep. one mass as to whatever it is. I really think we're seeing a massive shakeup, and it's going to be interesting. I think that's the reason why they're reinvestigating this, quite frankly. And, yeah, and I think we may be. There. We've seen such a massive shakeup in the entertainment industry. We may need to look at the law around this entertainment industry and say, does this make any sense anymore? This
0: goes back a little bit to what we talked about earlier about becoming more sort of isolated in our homes. You know, It used to be, we even even then, we had shared experiences. You tune in Monday night at 7 yeah. o'clock to watch ALF, and then everybody talks about it on Tuesday, <laughs> right? Doesn't, exactly. Doesn't have Anymore because you binge everything and now all of a sudden there's a social awareness of spoiler spaces yeah. and, and 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 not spoiling things c- c- because people haven't
1: seen it. Although arguably your shared experience now is dual screening. Yeah, yeah the idea, that, that's you're the on thing, Twitter live as you're binging it.
0: Like, what's the last show you watched that was released in a serial format like that? To where, I mean, Game of Thrones for me, but um, I couldn't tell you before that Breaking Bad. Maybe there's not a lot of things I watched that are released in that format. Yeah,
1: anymore. It's, I mean, I've watched so little TV other than you know some of the recent releases. Yeah. You know, the Mandalorian. Like, <laughs> like is the, yeah, we're gonna
0: talk about that. Um is, is not in this episode, is Um, is, is the, 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 the streaming and the binge watching going to be the death of the cliffhanger?
1: Um, I don't know. It's one of the things I thought was very interesting. Is just you know, again, we talked about like, podcasts. One of the podcasts I'm talking about we've grown very fond of the ambiguous ending. Yeah, and it's something I think is very true. We expect things now to have an ambiguous ending. We like movies that are ambiguous right now. We don't like clear good and evil. Yeah, you know, which is you go back to the 30s and stuff like that. Like you know, the guy in the white hat was good. The yeah. guy in the black hat the was not. The evil
0: person's evil just because they are. that's yeah. all you needed to know about.
1: Yeah, them. you just need to know they're the bad guy and and stuff like that. And I think that we've really gotten into the idea that no things are ambiguous we like shades of gray we like you know yeah. cre- movies that are creative that way not
0: the movie shades of gray
1: but yeah <laughs> good lord um, the yeah uh, but yeah i think we get into and i think that's some of the things that i'm not sure we're necessarily going to see the change in the plot because of the nature of streaming we are going to see some of it because again if you release eight episodes what you're really releasing is not you know eight one-hour episodes you're really releasing an eight-hour movie yeah this is designed to be broken into blocks yep um, but it's one of those things where, again, we kind of get at that is how is this content to be intended to be consumed? You know, would people have shown up at midnight in a movie theater to watch the season two of Stranger Things in high def with great sound and binge watch all, you know, whatever eight episodes or 12 episodes at once. I think,
0: once. I don't think you could do that as a mass release, but I bet if you had one or two theaters. Yeah. Where you said, you know what, if you want to see it now, we're going to start playing it at midnight, uh, a week before it releases on Netflix, and you'll be done by 9 a.m. You can yeah. go home have some breakfast. That's an interesting idea. I yeah. hope they try that.
1: And quite frankly, I can actually believe movie theaters will do that.
0: Yeah, maybe that's where this is all going. Maybe that's where the Netflix movie theater <laughs> yeah. finds a home. Is something like that. Okay. Well, we've uh, we've kind of wandered all over the place here, <laughs> so we're going to wrap this up. We talked a bit about up.
1: antitrust law and a lot about movies. Yeah,
0: I had a whole section here. I even looked up how all the what the laws are. I was going to cover the Clayton Act and everything else, and we just kind of blew right through it. So uh, we'll, we'll go through that. We talk. We're going to do a net neutrality episode at some point. Yes, and we'll, we'll talk about uh, another the, net the neutrality federal episode. Yeah, Right. Uh, we'll talk about the Federal Trade Commission and the FCC when we cover that. Uh, so that's it for this time. So uh, for next time, which we're going to record right after this time. Uh, so if, if we're all, if everything we see in the next episode is, is wrong, uh, it's because we recorded it, you know, four <laughs> weeks ago uh, when as you're listening to this. Um and actually no Christmas is on Monday but uh, for the next episode we're going to do um a very special lawyer's guide to the galaxy the lawyer's guide to the galaxy holiday special
1: <laughs> which we did last year for the holiday special if yes. you all remember our lawyer's guide to the galaxy holiday special is basically based on the Star Wars holiday special. We're not doing that
0: this year, <laughs> although it may be every bit as much of a fiasco because Kirk and I, I, I don't, I'm not going to prepare an outline. We're just going to freewheel talk about The Mandalorian. We've seen episodes one through three. So as you're listening to this, um, our, our discussion will probably be kind of stale, but it might be fun to be like, well, this is what we were thinking at the time. Yeah, exactly. And then we're also going to speculate wildly about episode nine and probably just have a general discussion of Star Wars things. We're going to try to keep it to a more limited format because we're already Running late, um, but we want to get some content out to you before Christmas because we're probably not going to get back into the studio until through 2020.
1: Yep. So very good.
0: All right. So there's the music And now it's really time to go Check out our website at lggpodcast.com It has links to our various platforms Where you can download prior episodes And get in touch with us Uh, Oh, get in touch with us on Twitter, Facebook And by email at lggpodcast.com Subscribe to this podcast on the platforms And give us a review to help new listeners find us If you're looking for me or Kirk on Twitter You can find us at Benjamin Siders Or at KirkDMN That's all for today We'll see you next time Lorem, play us out The views expressed by the participants of this
1: program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Lewis Rice LLC, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. This
0: podcast was produced and recorded at Cool Fire Studios in St. Louis, Missouri.